Looks like some kind of insect. A bee. Bees, Scotty. Killer bees. Are you endowing these bees with human motives? Do you have any idea what those bees can do? The honeybee is vital to the environment. Oh, no, not the bees! Not the bees! Welcome to Killer Bees. This is not a Wu-Tang podcast. No, this is a podcast where we profile B-movie and genre film icons. My name is Garrett Smith. And my name is Tori Potenza. We can be found everywhere on the internet at Killer Bees Podcast. That's Killer BS Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and at gmail.com. You can send us an email. We have officially checked our email account. We I have, have received email. your emails. We'll talk about it. Yeah. Um, you can find us on moviejohn.com. That's the Philadelphia John, J-A-W-N. Our artwork is by Alex Schneider. Our music is by Christine Rayburn and her partner, Pat. And today we are talking about a favorite in this household, Austin Stoker. Yep, a favorite for one movie. For one specific movie that and we love dearly. So we're. it was very nice to uh, yes. watch more of his filmography. Yes, it was very nice to see Austin Stoker play 12 more cops. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, so what should should we do? Should we talk about emails? Sure, yeah, I think that's a good way to start since we finally checked our inbox. Yes, uh, which uh, was thankfully finally pushed me to doing it was a message from our friend uh, Channel 83. Yeah, uh, check out Channel 83 Podcast. Yes, Uh, and they uh, sent some suggestions for us uh, for people to do for the podcast. Um, I won't read them off now, but a couple of them were folks that we already had um, listed. Yes, so we do have some upcoming episodes um, for you there channel yes. 83 and a few of them are uh people that i didn't have on the list which is always super exciting so i am very very excited to do this um you know they just like talked about liking the show and uh you know they heard about us through the best little horror house uh so oh we, that's cool yeah uh yeah we're also very excited that uh you know our friendship with george has gotten us some some listeners and yeah such, so that's it's nice yeah that's exciting i'm excited to hear like some of the names that uh channel 83 yeah. suggested 83 has also sent us uh at least one movie that we were looking for uh, yeah what which did, is very cool what did they send us uh open house oh yeah okay awesome. uh, f- which we talked about from our adrian barbeau episode right. so i'm very excited about that um and then i got this awesome email from someone named Orla who um, finished listening to our podcast on Mako Kaji hmm. uh, and really liked the episode because um, they're so a, much. Yeah, they uh, are a big fan of hers. Uh, they said if they get accepted to a master's they've applied for, they plan on writing um, part of their thesis about her and her films, uh, which is part of the reason they listen to the podcast, Very which cool. is uh, such an honor and really exciting. We're they get cited in a college paper. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm like, you know, I come from academia too, so I was like, "Oh yes, please uh, let me know if you write a cool thing about Meiko Kaji," because I would love to read any academic sources about like dope stuff like this. Yeah, like I wrote a thesis about um, Alan Morris from Hell, and that was an interesting thesis to write because it's like there is not a ton that people wrote, especially whatever fifteen years ago, yeah. about comic books as a medium in like any sort of like academic yeah. setting. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when you talk about things like Meiko Kaji, it's like. Yeah. I'm sure the resources are slim when it comes to like any kind of like academic yeah. writing. Yeah. And you know, as someone who wants to go back and get my doctorate, like totally in the same boat, have some like weird ideas of stuff I would like to, you know, do a dissertation on. Yeah. So uh yeah, way to go. I hope you get into your program and get to write this awesome paper. Yes, much luck to you. Uh they also sent us a movie uh that we were having trouble finding um from Kaji's episode called Wandering Ginza Butterfly. Um so not only do we really appreciate just hearing from you guys yeah. and li- and knowing that you like the show, like they Thank you for sending us cool movies that we couldn't find. It's so exciting. Extremely hyped to get to like watch both of these movies now. Yeah. And yeah. so we'll report back on a future episode um, as we get a chance to watch those movies. Yes. We appreciate you all. And now I have our email linked to my phone. <laughs> yes. So I will check it more regularly. Yes. You can actually email us now. And yes. We will actually <laughs> respond on the show. Um, were there any movies we wanted to talk about? Uh, I mean, 
I guess there's like a few things. You know what we should talk about? We should talk about Frankenhooker. Hell yeah. Right? I fucking loved Frankenhooker. I had too. never seen it before. And it was on Shudder. Um, and we were just like going through one day and we're like, oh, cool. Like, let's watch this. And it's from the same guy that did Basket, Basket Case. Case. Yeah, Frank Hennelotter. Which uh, Basket Case, like, I know is like a cult classic. It like doesn't totally like resonate or hit I me. I saw it at an exhumed event and yeah. I enjoyed it, but I'm with you. It didn't hit me the way Frankenhooker hit me for sure. Oh man, this movie rocks. Yeah, really, uh, like, really liked this movie. I want to find the lead's name because she hasn't been in a ton of movies. Um, Patty Mullen. She is so fucking good as the mm-hmm. lead character because uh, she's doing so much. She's like first just playing this like fiance character and then she is playing this like, uh, you know, uh, Frankenhooker. Like she is like, you know, has all these different body parts of different women. And one of the ideas is that she kind of takes on some of their personalities. So it's her former self uh, as well as all of these other women. And she does this really great job of like, kind of doing a Bride of Frankenstein thing. She yes. does like a lot of those bird-like movements that yes. you see in the uh, original Bride of Frankenstein movie, uh, but then also adding like a really fun, like campy flair to it. And I just think she was like the coolest. Uh, it's crazy to me that she was not in more movies. I totally agree. I thought this movie was really funny. Yeah. Uh, it is very subversive, but also smarter than you think a movie yeah. called Frankenhooker is going to be. And actually has things to say about some of the sort of like transgressive things that it's doing. Yeah. um, Which I really appreciated, but it's also fun and goopy and weird. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's very funny. It is a Frankenstein story about a, a guy from Manhattan. No, he's from New Jersey. Oh, okay. Right. They keep calling him Jersey boy. That's right. They keep calling him Jersey boy, but he's got like, what I would consider a very stereotypical New York accent, where he's like, hey, Ma, I'm doing some science over here. Yeah, he's the weirdest scientist character I've ever experienced. Yeah, and then this guy's girlfriend, uh, I guess I won't spoil too much, but dies, and then he decides he needs to reanimate her. Yeah. um, And uh, uses the body parts of sex workers in order to do so. Yes. Um, And uh, it's really funny. I I loved this movie. I think people should totally check this out while it's on Shutter. Yeah, it was so much fun. Yeah, really, really fun. And, like, especially the ending is, like, so smart and funny and clever and and weird. Yeah. Yeah. Just a, a great time. Um, and then I, I would also love to talk about quickly. Uh, we watched, uh, we went to the movies and saw last night in Soho this weekend, yeah. uh, which you know is Edgar Wright's new movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I usually like Edgar Wright's films. I'm a huge fan of his. Yeah, um, you know I like uh, Shaun of the Dead and uh, Hot Fuzz. I think is like one of my faves up there too. But um, I like really loved this movie. I think it's one of my favorite movies I've seen this year. Yeah, me too. It takes uh, some twists and turns that I did not expect it to, and even initially did not think I would like said twists and turns. But I think that you can really feel like the stamp of like a female writer on this movie. Yeah. Because um, there is a lot of like interesting elements that are added into it that like just work so well. And I I had writ- recently written this piece on like hauntings and women and. Uh, for movie John and this movie I feel like fits so well into that like I want to write a whole fucking piece just on what this particular movie is doing yeah and I think that you should by the way I think that would be like an interesting piece of writing about this movie this movie's like been a little bit divisive and so I think it would be nice to have your perspective kind of like out there yeah on it but also it's a movie that like we shouldn't really spoil for people. And so yes. I know we talked about that too, where it's like you want to write the piece, but it's like, do you write it now or do you wait until the movie has a little time to kind of like yeah. you know, gestate and get seen and stuff? Um but uh yeah, I, I, I guess without like saying too many things about like the details of the movie itself, I just like I really thought it was like a a step into maturity for Wright as like a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. He he's doing a lot of really clever style stuff, which is what he's known for, but in a way that doesn't feel as loud and showy. Yeah. It feels more inherent to the yeah. story that he's telling. It gave me goosebumps and yeah. like chills at times, like which is how like enthralled I was in like the worlds that he dropped us into, which was really cool. Yeah, and I think he there's also a really interesting way this movie like kind of sucks you in and then like pulls you in deeper. You yeah. know, in the way that like our favorite kind of Giallo movies do, which is what everybody's been comparing it to, where it's yeah. like the setup is very interesting and you're already in, you're into mm-hmm. it. And then it just like has this even deeper pull as it goes. And yeah. as it becomes more nightmarish, 
uh, and then it eventually gets so deep that you start to wonder, like, where are we going? Does this movie know where it's going? Yeah. Only for it to have, like, it really sticks the landing, I think. Like, it really does come out the other side with, like, there's there's been purpose all along. Mm-hmm. There is a very direct mystery here. Yeah. Um, and I agree. The thing that was so interesting to me was that as it started to reveal itself, I was like, oh, no. Is this about to undermine, like, everything that I've been enjoying about That's this? That's what I thought was going to happen, too. And then it, it was the movie was like, no, we're... Like, we are going to It was actually, much smarter than yes, that. Yes, we're going yeah. to go deeper than that. We're going to consider more than yeah. just the surface of that. And I really think it, like, comes out in a very interesting yeah. place that I, yeah, I really Yeah, there's, like, stuff with ghosts and hauntings. And, it, like, we talked about just, like, a city being haunted yes, by like by the by the history yeah. and i i am fascinated by that concept yeah. too um but then there's also stuff about like you know the missing dead girl archetype yeah. and like them getting to have a voice like there's so much of this that like just worked for me with like it felt like similar to Candyman when i saw that where i was like oh it's like taking a lot of different things that like i'm just obsessed with and blending it all together yeah. and i really loved that yeah yeah i i really liked this movie yeah. i it's like yeah, I- I'm very much looking forward to getting to see this again and uh, kind of like process it a little more. Oh, we're definitely buying this on like 4K or oh, something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We will yeah. get a 4K of this. Yeah. Um, especially so that I can finally see it the way it's supposed to look. Yeah, we had a blown out bulb or something in our AMC theater. AMC theaters pretty much blow across the board in my experience. <laughs> yeah. But like, you know, also, uh, you know, definitely still was totally entranced by this movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it, it was totally worked anyway. Yeah. So props uh, for that <laughs> yeah. one also. Uh, do you want to dive into Mr. Stoker? Let us discuss Austin Stoker. Um, he has 57 acting credits. Um, he is a Trinidadian American actor. Um, he was born October 7th, 1943, um, which I think it was known as like the British West Indies at the time mm-hmm. when he was born. That's um, interesting. So they were like still a colony, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he, his love of performing arts started at the age of six as he was an avid movie fan and participated in the, it's called the over 200 year old Trinidadian carnival, uh, known as the world's most colorful festival, um, which is like, you know, just sounds like an interesting cultural thing. I don't know a ton about, but I love these like big world festivals that I just see like images and videos of. So was very into that idea yeah and i'd be curious too like uh if they were the british west indies at the time like um i guess like how how much what movies he got you know what i mean like what yeah. was available to him as a kid in, yeah um in, uh, in a british colony yeah you know? i was wondering that too yeah. um eventually he was invited to join the jeffrey holder dance group in new york and from there landed a broadway show playing steel drums um the a musical instrument that was invented in Trinidad. Oh, I don't know if I knew that that was yeah. um, like a like local to Trinidad. Okay, mm-hmm. that's that's pretty neat. Uh, and I believe he still plays. So he like I watched an interview with him earlier today where he like describes himself as a percussionist. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, um, he performed in the 1954 Broadway production of Truman Capote's House of Flowers, where he met his future wife uh, Enid. Mosier. Um, her acting name was Vivian Bonnell, um, and she was in movies like Ghost and Summer School. Oh my god, okay, cool. So we just yeah. watched a movie that she was in. Yeah. Um, Enid Mosier, maybe? That might be how you spell Mosier. Enid Mosier, okay. I'm, I'm not sure. Sorry for my No, 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 I, I know. I, I'm just always <laughs> curious about stuff. Like, yeah, sorry. I'm just like, oh, crap. I don't know how to say things. Yeah. Um, he, yeah, so as an all-around percussionist and singer, Austin worked with that um, initial group, the Jeffrey Holder group, um, mm. for some years, uh, three years doing concerts, clubs, until he was drafted into the U.S. Army. Damn, he got fucking drafted? Yeah. Uh, which I just thought was also very interesting. Um, yeah, that he like comes here to like pursue art and ends up being like drafted into our military. That's yeah, like, I yeah I was like wondering how all that works, but yeah. he is like a I believe a U.S. citizen now. So I sure. he had gotten citizenship before. Yep. I guess maybe that means he was yeah. just immediately. Yeah, you probably available. put right into the draft. Yeah. yeah. Um, he eventually began his dramatic training at New York's HB Studio, um, which he got um, he got a scholarship to go to. Um, and worked with um, Uta Hagen, who I think oh, yeah. we've talked about before. Yeah, uh, um, I, I think it's Uta Hagen. Uta Hagen. I, I think. And yeah, she's got like a pretty famous acting school, I believe. Yeah. 
Um, and then his first on-screen performance was in 1969. He appeared in an episode of The Mod Squad. Okay. Um, yeah, and I, like, have, like, some interesting, like, uh, I tried to pull just a couple things from some of the interviews I watched with him today. Um, like, one of the things he we are going to talk a lot about is that Austin Stoker is typically a cop in many of his roles. <laughs> yeah, he plays a cop in a lot of um, movies. And so, like, in one of the interviews, they asked him about, like, typecasting and yeah. how he felt about that. And he was, like... You know, he was just like, you know, it's the director's job to, like, fill the roles that they, you know, think the people that are there should be in. And he goes, and, you know, it's my job as the actor to be the type for that role. So, like, okay. I don't feel like that has been a problem for me. Um but I also think, like, especially as, like, a black actor, it doesn't seem like he, at least from the roles we watched and what I researched about him, that he played, like more of like I guess the negative kind of stereotypes we've seen like we've uh, covered a few people that were just like crack mom or yeah, yeah. like you know prison inmate no um, I mean there's certainly an argument to be made that like what he is doing when he's especially when he's playing cops is yeah. like uh, tr there is a way in which you could say that that's a very positive thing that he's doing and a yeah. very positive portrayal that he's putting on, right? Like, Yeah, he I always has this, like, sly but, like, authoritative kind of presence in yeah. the movies he's in. And so, like, we've also seen him play doctors, and I think he played, like, a DA in a yeah, couple right. movies. So he often gets, like, these roles where he is, like, an authority in something, which yeah. makes sense to me for him. Oh, totally. And I think what I was trying to say is like that is, um, you know, you could say that's like a positive portrayal for a, a black man to get to play, right? Like that's a, a yes. sort of positive representation that he's getting to, even though I think for you and I, it's a little complicated when we're talking about him playing a cop because we're like, well, cops are bad. So. A cab. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, so yeah, all, all that stuff about representation gets really complicated yeah. when you start talking about, especially honestly, like um, positions of authority yeah um but also i do still think that's like a baseline kind of like that is like positive representation yeah. and then he also said something about like uh like what he likes most about acting and just said like i like being able to bring a new person to light which i thought was mm -hmm. just such a a nice way to like think of the, what he is doing and the roles he's taking it's like oh yeah i like just get to be this new person and He's like, I, you know, I think the best thing I can do is like, you know, have people, I want the uh, audience to have like an emotional response to me. I want them to have the, op like, I want to have the opportunity to please them in some mm -hmm. way. Um, and I, I think he very much does that. We talked about this. He just like has this like charisma and he like pops as soon as he comes on the screen, even when he like isn't the lead actor in the role. That fucking smile of his is like unbelievable. Yes. You can see if he's like in the tiny corner of the background of the frame and he like smiles, you just like, he's what you focus You're on. You're like, damn. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, he had that one role in the sixties, but, um, his career really starts in the seventies. Um, he was in a ton of TV. Uh, he was in things like, uh, Kojak. Okay. Uh, he was the lead actor in return of the planet of the apes. Cause, which I didn't know there was a TV show of. <laughs> yeah. I think that's like maybe a one season TV series. Yeah. Something like that. Um, he was in the $6 million man roots, uh, the oh. Hardy boys, Nancy drew mysteries. Okay. And, uh, the Incredible Hulk. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Great. Um, and in 1970, he has his first TV movie role in The Aquarians, which uh, he was also in with Leslie Nielsen. Hell yeah. I love Leslie Nielsen. Um, a scientist and his team of underwater explorers search for the culprit who has stolen the world's supply of nerve gas and hidden it somewhere in the ocean. <laughs> what? That is so funny. I was like, okay, nerve gas in the water. What are we doing? <laughs> Um, and then in 1973, he was in Battle for the Planet of the Apes, uh, starring Roddy McDowell. And I know you've seen these movies, right? Well, so I've seen the first two or three. Okay, gotcha. So I don't think I've seen this one. Yeah. Um, and I, what I think I'm understanding, I'm just putting the pieces together myself here, is he must play a character that then becomes the lead of the TV series that yeah. they do. Yeah, and it seems like he is a human character in the movie because he talked a lot about, like, yeah, like, they showed up super early and were, like, doing makeup, and I just, like, got to walk on set. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, nice. <laughs> Hell yeah. Good yep. for him. Um, 
And then the same year, he was in a movie called Horror High, which we watched. We sure did. Uh, I just liked the name of this. Yep. Uh, it had a very 80s sounding horror name, even though it's like a 70s, early 70s yep. movie. Yep. Um, yeah, it and, definitely feels like a precursor to some of yeah. the kind of stuff that will happen in 80s horror. Um, and it's also weird that this keeps happening. And some of them we watch and some of them we haven't. But we keep covering actors that are in... Uh, different interpretations of Jekyll and Hyde and that yeah. is what this movie is I and I had not, no idea. I had no idea. Like even the plot description did not necessarily lead me to believe yeah. I would be basically watching a high schooler go through a Jekyll and Hyde kind of process. Yeah, he's like this big, like this lead actor is this like science nerd. Yep. All he wants to do is like work on his experiments with his guinea pig in yeah. the lab um, and you know, he's bullied by all the jocks and the other teachers don't really like him. He has this terrible English teacher who like is like the bitchiest fucking yeah. lady in the world. I like hated her guts. Yeah. Um and then, you know, some accident happens and he eventually takes this like concoction he's been working on and it turns him into this kind of like superhuman like jackal character yes. uh, that then takes revenge on all of the people who are uh, bullying him mm -hmm. at school. And uh, I believe Austin was a cop in this movie. Do yeah, I he was. That he was the lead detective in this, um, and he's like really great in this because yeah. it's kind of obvious from the beginning that like this kid is definitely a main suspect. Yes. Like he is connected to every single murder in like very obvious ways. Yeah. And Stoker keeps being like, "Oh, hey, dude! Like really crazy about that murder that happened." And he's like, "Oh, like." Oh, is that a bag of laundry you need to drop off? Let me drop that off for you. And it's like a bag of bloody clothes that he's like trying to get washed. And it's it's all very funny to me how he just acts that way. He keeps doing this thing that I think kind of becomes like what I really appreciate him as an actor, which is he keeps smiling at the kid. Yeah. While really he's questioning. He, he like yeah. the, he's trying. He does this thing where he can basically come off as friendly but threatening you know? he's like kind of doing a good cop thing where he's just like yeah i can be nice to you and like try to be your friend yeah. and all this but also i like i know that you did this well he keeps going like so you wouldn't know anything about what happened last night in the laboratory would you yeah and the kid's like no no i wouldn't he's like okay yeah i was just checking you know and yeah. it's like this thing where he's like He's smiling at him while he does it, where he's like, dude, I'm asking you because I know it was yeah. fucking you. And then he'll, like, ask about his family life, and it's like, oh, okay, like, you wouldn't be asking these questions unless, like, you thought this was important because right. he is definitely a suspect. Right. And you're just like, yeah. okay, I see what you're doing here. And, like, this is kind of just, like, you know, a dumb, like, hormonal, uh, you know, high school kid, so he doesn't actually know that he's, like, kind of being manipulated by this, like, right. detective character. And, and it's a little bit like what is, like, one of Stoker's strengths as an actor, which yeah. is just this ability to, like, kind of be vaguely threatening, but in yeah. a way that is, like, it comes off friendly, it comes off nice, I'm just yeah. trying to help you out, guy. Mm -hmm. um, but really, I'm saying you're like a, the lead suspect in this murder yeah. case. Yeah, yeah, and like Stoker talked about, like liking this uh, the kid that he worked with on this movie. I thought and... this lead kid was was good actually. Yeah, he was. He is doing a fun campy B movie yeah. performance. Yeah, this is like pretty fun. Um, it's it like right. it's campy and, yeah. and weird, but uh, and we also watched a terrible like transfer of it. it like, did not look very. Yeah, it didn't good. look very good. I, I um, assume a better quality transfer of this would improve it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like Stoker talks about, you know, like we just uh, were, you know, giving it our all, like doing our best, like regardless of the budget and like what, you know, you know, how much, you know, this movie's actually going to make and how good it's going to be, which yeah. I, I always appreciate when they're like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm going to like take this as seriously as possible, even if it's like this campy, you know, <laughs> right. B movie thing. Yeah. Um, And then after Horror High... In uh, 1974, he was in a movie called The Get Man, also known as The Zebra Killer. Yeah, uh, which is actually a movie that I have seen. I saw this at an Exhumed event mm -hmm. at one of their exploitation marathons. We saw it under the title Combat Cops. Mm -hmm. And I frankly don't remember a lot about this movie other than that the initial premise is like truly nuts and a good premise, uh, which is that a white man is murdering people while in blackface. So that the police will suspect uh, will assume the suspect is a mm. black man, um, and he. So you're basically following a serial killer um, that is trying to outwit the police via racism, basically. Yeah. You know, 
Um, but my memory is that is like only the premise of the first half of the movie and it kind of loses track of that as it goes. Yeah. Yeah. It talks a lot about like, oh, this detective's like girlfriend is captured and that's by the yeah. serial killer. So he's like kind of on a mission because of yeah, that. Yeah. It becomes more of like a vengeance thing yeah. and like less about the kind of like interesting thing that's going on with the serial but killer. But Stoker is the lead detective. Yeah. Um, and this is directed by William uh Girl, oh, Girdler, right? Girdler, yeah. mm-hmm. um, who Stoker worked with several times. We'll talk about some of those other movies later. Yep. Um, one thing I found out that was interesting when I initially looked this movie up is that um, this is the name of like uh, the name for like several serial murderers. Uh, yeah, there is a real zebra killer, right? Uh, yeah, that happened. It seems like the year before. But what I found out was that it was um, four uh, black like Muslim men. Uh, that committed these murders and it said at least that they were trying to start some sort of race war um so it was interesting too because i don't know much about the history of the story or anything Mm -hmm. so i wonder if like because this is definitely about a white man doing these killings Mm -hmm. so i wonder if there was like oh like these guys are being framed like for these murders Mm -hmm. and that's kind of like the impetus for this movie that Mm -hmm. is about like a white man like masquerading as a black man well and it's i mean it's an exploitation movie and so it would not surprise me to find out that it is literally exploiting an actual story yeah um but also you know girdler made all these black exploitation movies so it wouldn't surprise me to find out that maybe he did have some kind of interesting angle on that story that they were sort of building an exploitation movie around yeah um, and then in uh, the same year, he was in Airport 1975 with Karen Black and Linda Blair. One of these days we're going to watch this fucking movie that keeps coming up on this so show. So many people I are keep, in it. I keep going like, oh, we should watch this. And every time you're like, I don't know. I mean, this time I didn't think we really talked about it, but maybe you gave up after the other two yeah, times yeah. I said no. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we can watch it. That's fine. It's got all our people in it. Yeah, let's do it. Um, and then he is in the movie Abby, uh, which we watched. Um, I wanted to see this movie because it was featured in the Horror Noir documentary. Yep. Um, so it's been on my watch list for a while. Or, uh, for a while. Um, this is also from direct the director we just talked yeah, about, Girdler. And it stars, uh, Will, is it William Marshall, I believe? Yeah. Yes. Uh, who plays uh, Blackula, and he's, like, fucking amazing. So mm-hmm. it was, like, fun to see him in this movie. Yeah, getting to see him and Stoker in a frame together yeah. was, like, very exciting. Um, and this movie is, like, a, you know, a black exorcist movie. Uh, it's a full-on ripoff of yeah. The Exorcist. And, and you know, the, I am not saying that to disparage this movie. I yeah. I... I have no problem with things like like yeah. is, I think that that is interesting that yeah. they made a a black exploitation exorcist ripoff. Yeah. Um. But but suffice to say it it is like full on a a you know not quite but almost like beat for beat. Yeah. Uh, a, a exorcist. Because she's like you know a woman like I assume in like her twenties at least mm-hmm. she's like recently Crutch married. Older, yep. She's like very much a part of her church. I think her husband is yes. like the pastor of the church. Um, An interesting aspect of this is when you set this exorcist story in, um, you know, like a black community is that they are much more attached to their church than the characters in the movie The Exorcist are. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so it's like interesting, like. I guess the levels of like belief that are going right. on there. Cause I, you know, uh, William Marshall's character is also, uh, on like a expedition kind of digging up old, like a cult, uh, you know, like pieces and artifacts yeah, and stuff. So yeah. he's the one that kind of unearths all of this stuff. Right. It's almost like he unearths a curse, which again is kind of similar to the exorcist. If I remember yeah. right, that opens with them, like finding some sort of artifact that seems to release Pazuzu. Or yeah. Um, so, so all of that's interesting. I like, didn't think this movie's great. There's definitely like some interesting stuff that's going on, but the only way you can find it right now is on YouTube and it's a really poor copy of it. Uh, but, and I am really convinced that a better transfer of this movie would have been a better experience for us watching it. I I think it would have been a little, because I I think they're. One of the really interesting things is her being a woman in her twenties and she's like married, right? Yeah. She's a marriage counselor. Yeah. Um, the way that one, it's way more vulgar actually than The Exorcist is. And The Exorcist mm. is a vulgar movie, but it's way the way that she talks to people is very vulgar mm-hmm. when she is possessed. And the 
the unpossessed version of her is the sweetest thing you could possibly imagine. Yeah. Um, and so like her performance is really good. I think she's and great. The, the way that it is, you know, the dichotomy between who she is when she's not possessed and who she is when she's mm-hmm. possessed is so extreme in this movie Yeah, in a way that goes way beyond what they're doing in the exorcist that I do think yeah. is kind of inherently interesting. And so I would be curious to see a better transfer of yeah. this, but you're about to explain like why there's really not a way to see this movie otherwise. Yeah, well, also I want to give a shout out because we found it on YouTube from a channel that's called Real Black, right? It's yeah, I think R-E-E-L. it's R-E-E-L Black. Yeah, um, Real Black. And it's specifically like a channel dedicated to preserving some of these like black exploitation movies. movies. Yeah. So like even if they're bad transfers, like you should definitely check this out because I'm always excited to find people that are doing some of this like preservation work and helping us find things that are yeah. very difficult to find. Yeah, and to be clear, bad transfer it, it looks like it's a nice direct transfer of a print it's just a print that yeah looks, uh, in bad shape yeah for sure uh but yeah so this this movie was out of circulation for years after warner brothers sued american international claiming it was a ripoff of the exorcist although the film was very profitable um its budget was uh, two hundred thousand dollars it earned four million um in the first month of release yeah. uh director and producer william girdler never saw a penny of it because of of the lawsuit, which was settled shortly before he died in 1978. Jesus, poor guy. Um, but is very similar to The Exorcist and some other, like, you know, uh, creepy movies, is that this also supposedly had a history of some, like, bad things happening on oh, really? set. Uh, like, it's a cursed movie. Yeah, like, they were uh, plagued by these, like, really, um, really rough, like, thunderstorms during the production. Um, so it, it, it was interesting also that, like, this was supposedly a cursed movie to work on. That's what happens when you start playing around with the devil, baby. Yeah, it does. He comes to play. Uh, and yes, Austin Stoker is a cop in this one. <laughs> yes, right, yeah. Also, Austin Stoker is also a cop in this movie. Yes, uh, which, yeah, he gets to be kind of like the big non-believer that's like, yeah. what are we doing here? So what are, we're three for three here, right? Uh, yeah. Cop, cop, cop. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then in 1975, he was in Sheba Baby with Pam Greer, which we did not watch for the Greer episode. Uh, but we did watch for this, and it oh, fucking kicked ass. Damn. Okay, first off, I just need to talk about how fucking hot Pam Greer and Austin <laughs> Stoker are in this. Yes. And they have so much fucking chemistry. Great chemistry together. I was, like, like beaming just watching them, like, flirt. It's yep. so cute. Like, they're so good. And they play a couple that, like, you know, they it's a vengeance story, as a lot yeah. of these Pam Greer movies are. I got really excited early in the movie when it seemed like they were literally going to partner up to like solve the crime. Because I was like, oh, this rocks. I've literally never seen this. Where it's straight up a buddy cop movie, but the buddies get to fuck. Yeah, but, you know what I mean. And but it's not best qu- of both worlds. Yeah, but it's like it's not quite that. Like no, like he, he's he, kind of a square. Yeah, in and this. he becomes less involved as the movie uh, yeah. kind of like hums along into into the finale. Yeah, because he's kind of like you know we got to do this the right way. We got to like yeah. tell the cops, and she's just like okay, yeah. like the cops in the city aren't doing fucking shit. Yeah. So I'm gonna take care of it. I'm gonna do whatever I need to do. She is a PI in this movie, I think. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it seems like maybe she was a former cop when she lived there, but now she lives in Chicago where she is a PI and like had become disillusioned with the criminal justice system because it's fucking terrible, (laughs) especially to black people. Um, And so, you know, she comes in guns a blazing and this like cop is like, I'm doing everything I can. She's like, you're not doing fucking shit. (laughs) So like, I'm going to murder all of these terrible gangsters and like actually clean up your town. Yeah. Um, and this movie is really cool in the way it's like clearly a very cheap exploitation movie. Yeah. Um, and but like as it goes along and it builds the story, uh, like I saw some reviews of this. Where people were like, "Yeah, it's kind of slow. It's like not one of the best like Pam movies or whatever." And I guess I can't disagree with that. But it's mostly because they're doing a really crafty job of saving their money mm-hmm. for really good stunts. And so like yeah, the end is wild. The, the finale is incredible. It has yeah. tons. It's got a boat chase, tons of good stunts. She harpoons a dude. She fucking harpoons a dude from a speedboat that she's driving. Yeah, it's incredible. Like one arm, she's yeah. like doing. She's like ri- driving the speedboat and shooting this yeah. guy, and you're like, yes, it fucking rules. Yeah, and and like the movie kind of like slowly builds towards that. Like it, every every act kind of has its own little set yeah. piece, and they get bigger and bigger as the movie goes on. 
I really enjoyed this. I thought yeah. this was a ton of fun. And Stoker's so great because, like, he ends up being kind of, like, the supporting role for Pam. Right. And, like, you know, she is this badass that is doing all of this fucking, like, crazy work. And he is not, like, at all intimidated by her, lets her do her own thing. Like, right. wants her to be safe, but, like, doesn't stand in her way when she, like, knows she needs to do shit. And I'm like, that's, like the best kind of like supporting like partner like yeah i i loved their relationship and he's not a cop in this one i believe this was no, the one he, we watched where he he i think he he like is either an owner or just works for her father for like the loan company that's or right, whatever yes. that's like being bullied by these gangsters right, into right. closing uh by the way i'm looking at the imdb and kind of forgot do you remember what the character's name is that he plays in this movie no. He plays Brick Williams. Oh, Brick Williams. Yeah. So good. Uh, which is such a great name for Austin Stoker. He also had some great outfits on this movie. Yeah. Uh, this was also William Girdler, by the way. Um, <laughs> and uh, the other thing I want to bring up was that Derville Martin is in this movie uh, as an actor. And Derville is who directed um, uh, Dolomite, which, yes. uh, you know, uh, you and I think is a fun, funny movie. Yeah. Uh, with Rudy oh, there's that one scene when she's in a carnival and she just like hangs this guy's head over a roller coaster track oh, and yeah. is like I will murder you like I will you... <laughs> let this fucking roller coaster decapitate you dude she's the baddest bitch yeah. in the world I really and I love liked her. this movie <laughs> yeah I did too this movie was a blast um and then yeah 1976 he stars in uh John Carpenter's Assault on Precinct 13 this is the whole reason we love Austin Stoker in this house god he's so fucking good in he's this movie he's great in this movie back to playing a cop yep um but uh you know there's a lot of in- people uh, this movie has i think been talked about and written about yeah. a ton uh so i'm not saying anything like fresh here or anything but like it's a really interesting movie where he plays a cop that gets assigned to a police station mm-hmm. that is literally being shut down. Yeah. Um, by the next morning, it will no longer be a functional police station. Um, but that night, it is still technically open. And so it's him and, like, the three remaining staff members yep. that are still there overnight um, who he's meeting for the first time. And it just so happens that a gang makes a blood oath that night and... Attacks the precinct. Yep. And they're um, going to murder all of them. Yes. Uh, and, uh, you know, one of the things that's interesting is the gang is a very multicultural gang. I think yeah. that's, like, very intentional on Carpenter's part is is the gang itself is so... Uh, there are so many different people represented there that it kind of yeah. takes... Race becomes a thing that you is a little bit, like, muddy in the movie mm-hmm. where you're not really sure what to ma- make of that. But then it also is about Austin Soaker, a black cop, who has to join forces with a white criminal who yeah. ends up in one of the cells during the siege. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, you know, cop and criminal have to come together to defeat this greater evil. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's just an interesting movie, I think, that is... And what's the uh, criminal's name? Oh, yes, he's uh, an actor that you that and I re- really, really like. Hold and on, we'll actually talk here. about him again a little later. So yes, we will, sure. because they ended up being in some movie, like some more movies together. Yeah, which is very cool. Um, yeah, let me get his name here really quick because we just talked about him. He apparently like died young. Is that what you told me? I, I can't remember. Um, I think he was di- he died in his sixties, but I I believe uh, he died from leukemia. It was like some like pretty gotcha. like uh, severe cancer. Uh, Darwin Jostin, Jostin, yeah. Jostin. Oh yeah, and that was the other thing that was interesting about him is like he also just worked as like a driver for a lot of movies and right, stuff. Right, he didn't act that much actually. Yeah, he was like a behind the scenes guy that just occasionally yeah. was in John Carpenter movies and like a few other things. Yeah, um, he's also in The Fog and, and some other yeah. stuff. Yeah, but like I mean, the core cast of like Stoker, him, and then the uh, lead uh, woman there. Yeah, uh, Lori Zimmer. Yeah, they just are all so good together mm-hmm. and like really make it work. And then I think Stoker is interesting because he is playing a cop, but he also in a couple of the interviews talks about like the nuances of the kind of cop he's playing. So yeah. he's like, I'm like supposed to be this like desk jockey. And right. so like, and this is supposed to be an easy job. And like now I am being forced to be this authority that like now needs to like protect all these people and like potentially kill people. Yeah. And it's just like not something he's prepared for. Right. Um, so he's kind of like flying by the seat of his pants for like a lot of this, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. Um, I also found an interview uh, from a couple years ago uh, where it was like him and Carpenter at a showing of Assault on Precinct Whoa. 13 um, in the 2000s. That's so cool. 
And so, like, they're asked, uh, well, Stoker is asked about, like, if he knew who John Carpenter was, like, with Darkstar and stuff. And he goes, like, oh, no, I didn't, like, didn't really know who he was. And Carpenter also kind of talks about how everyone else was more of a professional than he was. Because, uh-huh. like, he talks about Darkstar and he's like, yeah, we, like, filmed until we ran out of money. And then we raised money. And then we filmed again. This was the first time that I was, like, filming a movie straight through. Uh-huh. And, he, and he's like, and it was hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then. They were like, uh, and they were like, you know, Stoker said something like something or the interview about like, oh, like, did you know who Stoker was? And Carpenter was like, yeah, I saw your movies. And he's like, oh, I didn't know that. (laughs) He's like, yeah, I wanted you in this movie because I had seen you in other things. Yeah, I saw you play a cop 30 other times. I was like, I need a cop for my movie. Yeah. um, But he also said that they were like neighbors, uh, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, So, yeah, I like liked. I also was just like because they didn't really work together after this. So it was like cool to see them come back and have this chemistry and this like funny conversation together it was like all very cute very cool yeah i mean this is if for some reason you're listening to this and you have not seen assault on precinct 13 it is like high on tori and i's list of john carpenter movies who is a filmmaker where like pretty much every movie of his we think is exceptional yeah this yeah this is a great one yeah um after that he was in a tv movie called victory at in entabe entabe I'm, you know what? I don't have a better pronunciation of this Great. one. I'm going to let you run on that one. Uh, but it's got a lot of people in it, including Burt Lancaster, Linda Blair, Anthony Hopkins, and Jessica Walter. Oh, shit. Um, it's about a terrorist group that hijacks an Air France airplane and diverts it to Uganda, where they demand to exchange their hostages for fellow terrorists held in Israeli jails. Interesting. Like all these like weird 70s like terrorist movies. Yeah. Um. And then he's in a TV movie called Riding with Death. Uh, right. And the description just says, dim-witted, meaty guy foils criminals by turning invisible. Oh, okay. It's an Invisible Man movie. <laughs> it I'm is. into it. Um, and then we get to his work in the 80s. Um, he was on an episode of Cagney and Lacey. Um, and then in 1981, he did, did a TV movie called Terror Among Us, uh, where he plays a DA uh, representative. Um, a police sergeant and a p- parole officer endeavor to stop a rapist on parole before he can follow through his threats on five women who testified against him years earlier. That sounds uh, bad. Yeah. Sounds terrible. Um, And then in 1982, he was in a movie called Time Walker uh, and appeared with his co-star from Assault on Precinct 13, uh, Darwin Jostin. Yeah, who we just talked about. Yeah. Uh, We watched this. We watched this. I had actually seen this before and didn't realize until the very weird ending (laughs) because I was like, oh, this was a mystery science theater movie (laughs) that I had seen and must have just totally blacked out. Uh, This is like not a great movie but there were things in this movie that i really liked i was like very entertained throughout this movie i laughed a lot during this movie it makes no like there are so many moving parts where it's like it is a story about a you know school in california that has brought a mummy from egypt which like fuck that fuck white people stealing from other cultures um but then it turns out that this mummified thing is actually an alien, and this alien can like give people a disease just from touching them. And so then there's this disease that spreads to everyone, and this alien just wants to go home. So he's trying to collect these jewels that some student stole. It's like yeah. there's so much shit going on in this movie. This movie has like. A plots and B plots and C plots and D plots and E plots and F plots and G plots. Like, there are so many. It's wild. Yeah. Uh, but it also has a floating space mummy yes. that looks fucking awesome every time he's on screen. <laughs> like, it's got stuff in it that I was like, this is fucking cool. Uh, floating space mummy was very funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there was, like, a lot of just, like, college kids being dumb, which I always find, uh-huh, like, kind of amusing in movies. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they like, you know, as opposed to like being in their dorms and doing what they're supposed to do, like they decide to throw a party about the mummy that's just been like stolen and is like on right. the loose at the school. And so they're all dressed up in like, you know, semi problematic, like Egyptian wear. Right. Uh, it's just like all very funny to me. Yes. Yeah. And it's like, 
I don't know. It's not a very good movie. I think it gets occasionally boring, which yeah. is actually the biggest problem with it. But it is so funny and entertaining in mm. such a dumb also, way. Also, the ending is hilarious. Yes. Doesn't make much sense. Also, there it says like at the end to be continued. Yeah, like this movie was ever going to get a sequel. It was not, in fact, to be. No. <laughs> Which, like, it's fine. Yeah. I don't need to know what happens yeah. after that. <laughs> yeah, it was the most baffling to-be-continued title card I've ever seen. Oh, so strange. Yeah. Um, and then in 1987, he was in a straight-to-video film called Uninvited. A cat infected with genetically engineered virus escapes from a lab and goes on a killing spree, finding its way on board of a shady businessman's yacht loaded with young guests. Okay, so this is a killer cat movie, which there's actually tons of, Yeah, right? That sounds weirdly like uh, one of the versions of the black cat that I've seen. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, one of the Italian ones. Interesting. Yeah. The cat goes on a boat? Yeah. Ca- yeah. Like, okay. specifically. That's the thing that, like... So strange. Yeah. Um, and for some reason, I know that title, The Uninvited. Oh, by the way, going back to Time Walker, really quick... Did uh, Austin Stoker play a doctor in that movie? Was that the one that he played a doctor Yes, in? he played a doctor with a really great mustache. Just wanted to make sure I brought that up because I yeah. thought that I remembered he actually played a, a different kind of... Author- you know, author- authority Kind figured. of authority figure yeah. in a movie before. And yeah, right. He had a fucking really good mustache in that movie. He did, yeah. Which like, I had never seen him with one before. Great look for him. Yep. Uh, and then we get to his roles in the 90s. Uh, for TV, he was on The Bold and the Beautiful. Okay. Which is so funny. Uh, yeah, and then it's like it starts to get into a realm where he like just has very small bits and things. Okay. Like he's in a movie called A Girl to Kill For where he plays guard number one. Oh, boy. Which also like Austin Stoker is fucking fantastic in everything I see yeah. him in. It's so weird to get him si- to see him get sidelined. Yeah. Uh, but I also feel like we talked a lot about this with Ken Forey as well, where he then right. plays bit roles. And you're like, he starred in, uh, uh, what's it called? Dawn of the Dawn Dead. Of the Dead yeah. And is like the best part of that movie. Like he's <laughs> fucking incredible. Like, what are you people doing? Yeah. I mean, and I could just be talking my ass here, but is it like, is it just like the, one of those things where it's like, yeah, Hollywood doesn't write roles for older black men, so yeah. they just like they they kind of end up fading into obscurity. It's fucking lame. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, in 1992, he was in a drama called Another Time, Another Place, starring Martin Sheen. Okay. And then in 99, was in a movie called Two Shades of Blue with Eric Roberts and Gary Busey, and he just plays a security guard in this one. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so much more uh, of that sidelining. But this one also kind of sounded weird. Uh, when a novelist is accused of murdering his her billionaire fiancé, she eludes authorities by changing identities and searching for the killer. Hmm. So it's almost like uh, Gone Girl, except like she didn't actually do it. She's yeah. like she's going through all of that to find out who did do well, it. Well, I was thinking like Basic Instinct too, because yeah. I'm like, oh, a novelist that yeah, like oh, yeah, was yeah, yeah. present when her boyfriend died. Right. Um, in the 2000s. He was apparently in The Wild Thornberries, uh, which oh. is really funny to me. Nice. Good uh, for him. He was in uh, Mach 2, an action movie in sure. 2000, and in 2006, a film called Between the Lines. All right. um, so also his roles just get like shorter and shorter uh, as the decades go on. Right. Uh, and like fewer and further between, yeah. kind of. Yeah. Um, in 2010, he was in Machete Joe with Ernie Hudson. Whoa, I'd love to see those two dudes together. Yeah. Um, a group of out-of-work actors decided to take their careers into their own hands by shooting a low-budget horror film about an urban myth. And then uh, slowly dead bodies start to appear. That sounds cool. Yeah, sounds fun. Um, so does this one, which we almost watched. Oh, I yeah. think it was available on Tubi, maybe. Yeah, I think people um, can watch uh, what you're about to say. In 2014, he did Shh. Uh, which is literally, literally yeah, it's just shush. And it's literally about a guy that kills people for talking in movie theaters and justified. Like, I don't know what this movie right. is, but like fucking fair. Yep. <laughs> um, in 2016, he was in a horror called Dissension. Um, it's it's weird because it he's the only person listed, and it just says rumored to be in. So it like weird. didn't say post production or anything. It like seemed to have come out, and there's just no information on it. Weird. And he may or may not actually be in it. Um, in 2018, he was in a film called uh, "Give Till It Hurts" with Daniel Robeck. 
Uh, dark comedy set in the 80s about two brothers seeking the return of their inheritance as their deceased mother donated it to a televangelist. Oh, that's kind of a cool premise, actually. Yeah. Um, and then in 2019, he plays a newscaster in Three from Hell. I mean, that's cool. Um, which, you know, we just talked about Zombie a little bit when we talked about uh, Karen Black. Yeah. Um, so, it, yeah, I mean, I think Zombie does do a good job of, like, casting some of these, like, B-movie actors, obviously, from, like, you know, genre stuff he was into. It's also interesting to look at this. He's actually a very clear example of this kind of gap here as the the children of the 70s and 80s in the 90s and 2000s are becoming adults and Mm -hmm. so are not making their own movies yet. Mm -hmm. And so in the 90s and 2000s, Austin Stoker isn't doing a whole lot. He's playing security guards and shit. But then you get to the 2010s and the children of the 70s and 80s are now making their own movies. And they're casting him in all of these yeah. little horror movies they're making. Yeah, I want to see him have like you know, I want to I want to stoke a renaissance. Right. Yeah. I want to see what that's like. Um, yeah. And then the last thing that list is listed as a movie from 2020 called Double Down, which was described as a neo noir domestic psychological thriller. All right. So many words. I'll double down on that. Um. So outside of acting, um, besides performing, uh, Stoker periodically conducts an acting workshop, which includes attention to speech and voice. Okay. Um, as a trained movie script writer, Austin has coached many other people in writing also, mm. which is cool. Um, he is currently developing uh, What's That Sound? A definitive documentary on the history of the Trinidadian steel pan. Okay, cool. Um, and then it says he's like active consistently on stage, uh, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, I wonder how much of like, you know, that period in the 2000s where he's not doing much is he just like on stage a lot yeah. and stuff, you know? Um, and he has his own website, austinstoker.actor, um, which is how I found, like, some of the information on, like, what he's been up to. Because, um, again, it's one of those things where I, like, couldn't find tons of, like, interviews, except yeah. for, like, uh, like the YouTube ones that I watched. Right. Um, and one of them was a short one from Shout Factory, mm. I assume because Shout Factory uh, re-released uh, Assault on Precinct yeah. uh, 13 somewhat recently, within the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. They did a couple cool uh, Carpenter steel boxes, and I have... Uh, uh, the thing yeah yeah but uh yeah i think uh, i think that wraps us up hell yeah this was very enjoyable i was glad to finally see some of his work outside of assault on Precinct so 13 good. and then just be like oh this guy rocks like, yeah yeah it, it, i one of those guys where you're like yeah some put him in something like somebody give him a nice meaty role Anything. in something he would be yeah. great um i guess let's get out of here yeah plug our email address one more time uh, killer bees podcast at gmail.com killer bees podcast at gmail.com uh, send us an email we're reading them now um, and, uh, <laughs> so sorry everyone yeah, yeah. Uh, look me up on uh, letterboxd I'm at philmadelphia there and on twitter um, that's pretty much it for me I am Tori Potenza on things and writing for Movie John on, you know, whatever I feel like. And, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, there, there we're at. Well, by the time this is on, uh, there'll probably be a new uh, Women Who Kill up on the website for November. Yeah, and uh, you can check out the article that Tori referenced earlier. should be up there um, about haunted women. Yeah, I think it's just called, like, Haunted Bodies, Haunted Women. Um, and it's it's based off a uh, article that I had read that specifically talks about, like, haunted women in literature. And so I've been really inspired by that. And since then, have tried to, like, apply that to film. Yeah. Um, I started a letterboxed uh, list also mm-hmm. of some of the movies that I reference and some of them that I would, like, like to reference because this is something I would like to continue researching. So, yeah, uh, yeah we, we just watched Ringu uh, oh, yeah. for the first time. And I, I think that's a really good one to include in this as well. So, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very good. Um, yeah, let's get out of here. Buzz, buzz. Buzz.